here's the bar that you've set. Don't spike yourself running out onto the field. That's the bar you set. Like, uh, hey, you did it, man. Way to go, buddy. Got all the way out to your position and didn't get hurt. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who once was once forcibly removed from a T-Swift concert for shaking it off so hard, three people were hospitalized. My brother, Mike. Well, let me just say this. Those haters, they're going to hate. They're going to hate. They're going to hate. They're going to hate. Okay? Let's talk about some baseball players, though, who are going to play, 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 and play. So... <laughs> Uh, see, when T-Swift gives you a command like shake, shake it off, shake it, you, you take that to the, to the fullest extent. You don't take those things half-heartedly. That, that, that woman no, is my... You shake it off that's right. so hard. She's my Svengali. <laughs> <laughs> you know? She's my... Oh, that's great. Love advice. Oh, she, she got uh, career it Career advice. Life advice, she's really. It. It's really... And so, from every, every album she's ever hit. Some people her. call her a musician. I call her a philosopher. So yeah, philosopher Taylor Swift. So uh, yeah, uh, on this week's episode, we'll discuss the Royals' first losing week of Cactus League baseball. It was not a a great week in the win loss column because we know Cactus League's wins losses they matter so much. Um, we'll give our second roster projection during our spotlight segment. We gave one previously that was shot immediately when Drew Waters got hurt, and then we'll, so we'll give our second one and maybe we'll, one more before the start of opening day to make sure we're one hundred percent right on this bad boy. And then we'll uh, speak a little bit about the final rotation spot because the competition is getting muy caliente for that last that last spot in the rotation. Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch. It's really coming down to two guys. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, just preview very briefly the last week. Uh, but first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. Why? Because they took ca- excellent care of our mother after her surgery. She went to All In Physical Therapy after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She was worried because she likes to be very active. She likes to do active things, arm wrestle truckers to earn her children's admiration. That's just the plot to the movie over the top, you dumb dumb. Based on her life, based, based on, her. on her life, I swear, I swear. Uh, she wanted to be able to do that stuff again. Uh, the excellent specialized care she got from all in physical therapy had her back to working out every single morning in no time. She probably exercises more than Mike and I do. Yeah, our mom is yoked, people. I mean, she is yoked. jacked. All right. Five foot three, 280 pounds, pure muscle. That's right. Okay. It's pure muscle. Um, if you're an athlete who sustained a sports injury, the team at all in physical therapy will get you right. It's run by trained professionals and athletes who know the difficulty of the rehab process. All in physical therapy is owned and operated by Lisa Matone, Tommy Freebert. Hey, Tommy, a former arena league football player, Northwest Missouri state Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. Uh, they have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, but even if you're outside that area, it is worth a trip to go work with Tommy. Great dude. Excellent experience. Can really help you get through your physical therapy. We trust the team at All in Physical Therapy. So should you. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816 427 Five three zero zero. That's eight one six four two seven five three zero zero. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's a l l i n-pt.com. 
Yes, you did just hear an ad, the first ad we've ever done on Royals Weekly because it is our we have our first ever sponsor here on Royals Weekly, All in Physical Therapy. A big thank you to them for sponsoring the show. If you know anyone who is interested in sponsoring Royals Weekly, breweries, liquor stores, distilleries, yes, non-alcoholic brands as well, yeah. uh, we're happy to speak to them. Yeah. <laughs> we're happy to speak to them. If you if you would like an ad here on the show, if you'd like to sponsor Royals Weekly, go ahead and email us at royalsweeklypod at gmail.com. And we'll discuss uh, bringing on new sponsors because that's something we're doing now. But now let's talk about some baseball. We'll start with roster news. There was really only one bit of roster news. A couple guys got demoted and sent down to minor league camp and stuff like that, but we knew that was going to happen. Guys like John Heasley and Jackson Coar and a few other guys. Guys we knew were going to be sent to minor league camp were sent to minor league camp, but the Royals did sign somebody in the last week. The Royals signed old friend Jake Brents to a two-year major league deal worth nearly $2 million. Now, Jake Brents is recovering from Tommy John surgery, I believe. It's Tommy John, right? I'm not exactly sure. I think I think so. Yeah, it was a, a He's whatever it was, it was a year ender. It's not a short amount yeah. of rehab time. So, yeah. Yeah, you'll remember he started the year last year with the team. Went down almost or very quickly month, into the season yeah. and has been down ever since. And he's still got quite a ways to go. I don't think he's going to pitch in 2023, uh, but they signed him to a two-year deal with about a total of nearly $2 million. Mike, what do you think of this deal bringing Brents back to the Kansas City Royals? I was really surprised. Not not because of the health thing, because I don't really know where that is exactly, where he is physically, but because he doesn't seem to fit the profile of what they're looking to do right now. Jake Brent's MO was that he had decent stuff, but had real trouble throwing strikes. And this is a, a pitching staff that has emphasized throwing strikes. So I was a little bit surprised that Brent's uh, was, was called back in. And I'm also a little bit surprised because it's not like we're deficient of lefties right now. We have Amir Garrett. We have Araldis Chapman. We have love lady. Uh, who am I leaving out? I feel like I'm leaving one person Josh out. Taylor. Thank you, Josh Taylor. Um, yeah. And so I, I thought like, we're not really short on lefties right now. Why do we need Jake Brents in the mix even at the end of the year? But maybe that's what he is. Maybe he's like insurance to say, Hey, if we end up trading or all this Chapman halfway through the year, we still have a guy in Jake Brents that can pitch out September, maybe, or maybe even part of uh, August. And we will be okay lefty wise in the bullpen still, even if we end up trading one of those guys. But yeah, I was, I was really surprised and and still am. Also, Evan Sisk is down in AAA right now. Um, so he should be somebody who's going to be seeing major league time eventually. Uh, it is important to remember that both Chapman and Garrett are, their contracts are up after this year. Chapman, I think is only on a one year deal and Garrett, I think deal is up after this year. And so both of those guys are likely trade candidates at the deadline. And if not trade candidates, we know they at least at the very least won't be here beyond this year unless the Royals decide to sign them to an additional contract. I'm a little surprised by the Brent's move just because he doesn't have that much of a track record. He had the one good season and that's it. They signed him on a minor league deal before they brought him in for that one good season, I think. And so it's not like I'm guessing there weren't teams like beating down his door to give him a major league deal, but maybe they're really, really confident in what the medicals look like. Maybe they're really confident in his recovery because other than that, I can't really think of why there would be this rush to give him two years worth of a major league deal and make sure you're set up to have him in 2024 when he's healthy again. So obviously they have some level of confidence in him uh, to that in that way. So that probably bodes well for what his recovery is looking like right now. The, the medicals probably all look good. He probably looks like he's on track. Maybe we'll see him at the end of 2023. Not entirely sure. 
but uh, this is more like a move that's to set him up to be in the bullpen in 2024 and like be in the bullpen. It's not like a show us what you got in 2024. He's on a major league contract. He will probably be in the bullpen in 2024. It's still a little weird for me too, because that's, that's another person on the 40 man, you know, I'm sure. I mean, if he start, I'm sure he'll start on the IL or something like that, but once he's off of it, that's a 40 man spot in a situation where you're, you're not exactly certain who you're going to need spots for down the road. So it seems a little weird, weird to me. Yeah. What he, he will be put placed on the 40 man and then immediately go on the 60 day IL, which means he won't count against the 40 man until he's off the 60 day IL and you can stay on the 60 day IL for as long as you need to. And so, yeah, it is going to create some sort of 40 man confusion once he's healthy. Don't know when that'll be. They probably have a couple guys, relievers, who could probably come off of it fairly easily. But we are talking about a bullpen, at least right now, that has a crunch in it a little bit. There are guys who are uh, fighting for spots, and it looks like they're probably uh, they want to get in there. And so we'll, we'll have to see. Again, trades are going to happen throughout the year. It's going to be you know one of those situations where who knows what happens with the forty man by midseason. But uh, interesting to to note that he is given a forty man roster spot. This is not a minor league deal. This week was the first week the Royals looked not good in spring training. The Royals went two and seven this week. They still have a good solid overall record because they were so flaming hot in the first couple of weeks. But Mike, last week, the Royals experienced this dip. What do you think about what they, the way they looked for the last week? And what do you assign as the reason for their drop off? It's, it's real simple to me. You just can't win them all. The Royals were never going to stay that hot for all of spring training you know, you've got guys leaving for the WBC. We now started a lot of split squad stuff. So you're getting pretty much completely minor league lineups or heavy minor league lineups in two games a day sometimes. And sometimes, I mean, there was a game uh, this week's at some point that, that happened where, you know, I went up and down the lineup. There was one guy I projected to even make the opening day roster in the lineup at all. And so, yeah, you're not going to you're not going to continue on that rapid pace that you were on prior to that. It's not a big deal. I don't particularly care about it. I'm looking at individual performances more than anything else. Uh, And we saw some good ones. So that's all that I care about. I'm sorry. There's something up here that's bothering me. I have to fix it. (laughs) Fixed it. If you're watching on YouTube, (laughs) you see my blanket got all bunched up behind me. All right, go ahead. No, I I don't think it's anything to worry about. Yeah, that's entirely the reason that, you know, some of this baseball hasn't looked quite as good this year or this week, because the other teams are just now ramping up. They're just now getting into their, we're going to play a whole bunch of our regulars all the time mode. You do that for a couple weeks and then you ease off the gas in the last few days or week or so. Well, right now the Royals can't play all of their regulars because some of their regulars are gone. So Vinny Pasquantino was gone. Nicky Lopez was gone. Salvador Perez was gone. Bobby Wood Jr. was gone. At the very least, you're talking about the top third of their lineup was gone. You know, MJ Melendez, Salvador Perez, Vinny Pasquantino, and uh, Bobby Wood Jr. That's their, essentially their best four hitters have been out of the lineup. Brady Singer, also one of their best starters, if not their best, the best starter, gone. And so this has been sort of an issue of exactly what you said, mostly minor league lineups, not playing very well. Um, when I say not playing very well, I just mean like getting beat by major league players. That's no, no, no shame in that. And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that and, and a little regression to the mean is just, uh, w- what we're seeing here as they take a skid in the cactus league for a little bit. Uh, did anyone stand out as noteworthy for you this week though, Mike, did anybody have a decent week or was anybody particularly struggling? 
Yeah, it was good to see Fran Mill Reyes continue to hit the crap out of the baseball. He had a great week this week, had a home run, had a double, four RBI. He looks like he's seeing the baseball really well right now and, and just pounding the ball down there. So if he can bring that north with him, you know, he's got to kind of do that because he's not giving you anything on the bases. He's hurting you on the bases. He's hurting you in the field. So uh, I think he's going to be a guy that plays a lot more DH than anywhere else. But he's really, really making great contact with the ball right now. And and that has been good to see because we, if we can get, I mean, again, guys, this is found money if he ends up being good because either you get the production for him all year or you get the production for half a year and you're able to trade a, a productive right-handed bat to a contender. And so I, you know, no, nothing wrong with those things. And really how long has it been since the Royals had the kind of firepower that you can see this lineup having with Salvador Perez, Vinny Pasquantino and Fran Mil Reyes throughout through the middle of this lineup. That is some firepower, not since the days of like, you know, Perez and maybe Eric Cosmer when he was hitting right and Kendris Morales coming through the middle of the lineup or, you know, Moose, maybe Lorenzo yeah. Kane and Moose, you know, not since those days have they really had the kind of firepower that this lineup has the potential to have with guys like Fran Mil Reyes in it. And if, if Reyes is out there, you know, on his 30 home run pace, if he's taking walks and getting on base, if he's doing the stuff that he can be doing, the hundred, the 125 weighted runs created for Anmil Reyes, that is such a huge game. I mean, they got him for free. They got him for nothing. They got him for <laughs> whatever it, pay, it costs to pay him, which isn't that much because he's still, you know, young. He's anything you pay him. It was like a minor, it was a minor league deal. Minor league deal. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, it's going to be close to league minimum. And so, you know, I, I like what, I love that he's sort of, come in and hit what a find what a great find for Piccolo and the front office and a great job by the hitting uh coaching to get him back get him right hopefully that translates into the regular season I'm going to talk about Jackson Kowar as a guy who had a, a week that impressed me and that stood out to me he had a start where he went I think three innings technically he gave up an earned run I think but there was an error in there that really contributed to that run scoring where Nick Prado fields the ball at second base that has the potential to be a double play and throws it into right field or left field, left throws field. it into left yeah. field. And so, you know, I don't really hold that against Coar. He looked good. He's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swing and miss. You know, there were a couple guys who got some hard hits, but that's always going to be a part of a Jackson Coar experience. And so it was just good to see him gain some confidence, get some guys out. And uh, he threw a lot of sliders in that outing. Mike, you noted this on Twitter. You took over the Royals uh, weekly Twitter feed for a second and threw out that he was throwing pre predominantly sliders, which was interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what his pitch mix looks like as he goes down to AAA and tries to sort of create a profile that can be an effective pitcher, whether that's out of the bullpen or in the rotation. I did want to talk a little bit about Hunter Dozier, who I, I'll note struggled quite a bit this week. He looks, he's been looking a little bit on the struggle bus for the last week and a half as one of those guys who's projected to be a regular, but isn't at the WBC. You kind of hoped that he would take this opportunity to play a lot, to destroy some Cactus League pitching, to show everybody, hey, I can play third base for this team. His defense has looked okay, but he's really struggled at the plate, and the, the Royals need him to be both an offensive and uh, an offensive contributor and somebody who doesn't kill them in in the field did not look like a real offensive contributor this week. Hopefully he turns that around. Here's the thing. I was impressed that Kowar would throw that many sliders, seeing as we just heard the other day that they want him to focus on that. He came out immediately and just started dumping him in there, like slider, 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 slider. Now I will say this. I wasn't wholeheartedly impressed with the pitch that that he was putting out there. I think it can get better. 
Um, I was actually a little bit impressed that it looked like his fastball was a little bit better, but you and I have kind of mentioned this. It seems like some of these pitching coaches are going in and saying, Hey, we're going to make this pitch better. And, and it's usually a breaking pitch for these guys, whether it's a uh, Keller's curveball or it's Bubich's slider or Coar's slider or whatever. And that's then going to make your other pitches better. So just having something like the slider can make your fastball play up, even if that doesn't change your fastball at all. And so that, you know, that could be something that's very important. Now I'd still like to see him change his fastball. I'd still like to see it improve, but he was getting some swing and miss with it. And he never gets, I mean, he very rarely gets swing and miss with his fastball at the very least guys have the opportunity to foul it off. Um, and so, yeah, it was good to see, and it was good to see him have some success, which I think he needs mentally more success with that fastball can come with just a better understanding of how to use it. If you're Jackson Kowar throwing that fastball only 20 to 25% of the time and doing it primarily at the top of the zone will be a recipe for more success on that fastball because 95 at the top of the zone is a lot harder to hit than 95, even at the low on the lower half in the lower half of the zone. You know, the old dogma, the old head way of thinking it like, hey, you locate that fastball in the bottom of the zone, you get ground balls. No, no, no. Not with modern day hitters. With modern day hitters, they, they'll elevate that lower fastball and send it right into a gap. And so, yeah, I'm glad to see him sort of evolving his his thinking on how to utilize that fastball, how, what his pitch mix should look like. That is super, super important to his ability to get anybody out at the major league level. And we'll see how that goes as he works in AAA. I'm very excited to see what the first two months of his season look like down in AAA. This week's spotlight segment will be devoted to a foolish endeavor. Mike and I will try to predict the future of our, but with our second opening day roster projection, every time we do this, it turns out poorly. Oh yeah. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd think that this might be more accurate than the first roster projection we did, but I'm not putting my money on that because something will happen. Uh, the Royals will do something way out of left field. I'm not exactly sure. We'll see, but don't take this as gospel. Okay. Since our last roster projection, Drew Waters has been hurt. Fran Mel Reyes has gone off and emerged as a real potential option. And we've gotten more information on the rotation battle. So let's find our way to get Chris gets in this roster, Mike. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> He's working for Chris. some front office, man. All right. Come let's back. give him a call. Come back. Come back. Let's see. Grit. Come back. Let's see. Come back. Grit. Th- him, or, him or Willie Bloomquist. All right. I'll take either one. one. Or the Same other. player. Uh, <laughs> Mike, start us off by telling us who's going to be in this lineup on opening day. Who are the position players? 13 of them. Go. Well, I'm, I'm going to start with the easiest one. Salvador Perez going to be catching. All right. That's our pretty much for sure. Right. Assuming he does get hurt. First base, Vinny Pasquantino. That's somewhat obvious. Probably end up playing quite a bit of first with the roster that we're we're about to put out here. Uh, we think Michael Massey is going to make the team and win the second base job over Nicky Lopez. And then at shortstop, Bobby Witt Jr. And then third base, Hunter Dozier. The team has stated they want him there. We think he probably gets that spot initially, at least. Then you have, we, we, you, we have Edward Olivares in left field. It doesn't matter. You could flip him. You could flip him with Melendez because he's, he's who we're going to have in right field. Flip, flip flop, either one of those guys. They're playing the corners to start, we believe. And then in center field, Kyle Isbell. Okay. Now DH, we have Franmil Reyes making the team. We think he's shown enough. He gives us some power potential that really nobody else that could possibly make the roster can give you. 
then the bench guys, which I think are going to be integral because I think at least the first two here are going to get quite a bit of playing time. Nikki Lopez is our first guy on the bench. Jackie Bradley Jr. is the second. And I think I do think Jackie Bradley Jr. will get a significant amount of playing time coming out of spring training. That's the one that Mike and I really went back and forth on, right? Jackie Bradley Jr. or Nate Eaton. Not really sure. Uh, That's a tough one. Nate Eaton provides more position versatility. Jackie Bradley Jr. provides more can play center field for sure. And so, uh, yeah, that's a really, really tough one. Yeah. And then the last two guys uh, on the bench for us are Matt Duffy. He's hit really well. He had a little bit of struggle this past week, but overall in spring, he's hit really, really well. And then we do believe that Freddie Fermin, a third catcher, kind of, if you consider MJ Melendez a catcher, we do think they're going to keep Freddie Fermin. Uh, we don't think they like catching MJ, MJ Melendez. So we think they'll keep Fermin and he'll be the guy that gets the two, one or two um, days of catching when Salvador Perez is not catching. And yeah, that's, that's uh, how we think it will go. Just missing our roster, we have Nate Eaton who I think definitely sees time in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, Matt Beatty, who's had a pretty good spring, shown some pop, but defensively he's no no good and uh, can be streaky as a hitter. Uh, Johan Camargo has struggled a little bit. I think just went down with a little bit of an injury kind of thing. Uh, two days ago, maybe? Can't remember what it was. I don't know. Camargo just hasn't hit. He, he hasn't, hasn't hit, hit much enough either, to really yeah. make this this roster. And then Michael Garcia has had flashes of, of some good things this spring, but you don't want him coming up and just sitting. So put him in AAA, let him play every day, because he still needs to work on some things offensively. Uh, we'd still like to see him uh, you know, hit the ball a little harder consistently. So those are our position players. So, Mark, looking at this position player group as a whole, how do you feel about it? I actually feel okay about it. I feel pretty good about it. I feel optimistic at the very least. Um, And I think this whole thing changes at least a little bit when Drew Waters comes back in, because then you have to ask the question, is Jackie Bradley Jr. still on this roster? Where's Drew Waters going to play? Is Edward Olivares going to move to the bench and be more of a rotational guy? It's a big question mark. And what happens if Olivares is crushing the ball? We know that he can get into these phases where he's just insanely red hot offensively. So there's a lot of questions to be asked about what happens when Drew Waters comes back. But I'm, I feel decent about this, this position player group because, to me, defensively, they look fairly solid or as solid as they can. Isbell in center field, I think, is going to be very good. Melendez, still not sure what he's going to look like full-time in the outfield. He didn't play a ton of outfield in spring training when he was with the Royals. He caught a lot, which I don't know why. But he, it, when he was playing in the WBC, he played right field for them, which is why we put him in right field here. Could be left field, don't know. But how will he look in the outfield? How will Olivares look in the outfield? The outfield defense, you'll probably have to say, might be average to slightly above average at, at best. Um, the infield defense looks like it could be pretty good, especially if they rotate well enough. But Hunter Dozier is probably going to be a liability at third. Bobby Wood Jr. we're not real sure about. It's all a lot of question marks defensively. But I think offensively with Reyes and Perez and Massey's been on a heater and Bobby Wood Jr. looks like he's progressed. It could be a really interesting team offensively. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it too. I, we said that we thought this could be a top 15 offense, and I still think that. If they can be in the top half offensively, I think that's a good thing. I do think they will be a step back defensively from the defensive level we've been used to in Kansas City since really the beginning of the Dayton-Moore era when you know we consistently had top defenses 
you know, all the time. I think our outfield defense is going to take a step back and then there's a good chance our infield defense does too. Although we do have the tools to have a pretty good infield defense, you know, but if you're trying to play Hunter Dozier there consistently, he's not great at third, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. still has to show us that he can make the everyday plays every day. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. And then of course, Prado is your best defensive first baseman. And I think Pasquantino is going to have to play first base pretty consistently because Reyes is not going to give you anything defensively. So uh, yeah, I think, I do think we take a step back defensively, but I think this offense has some real potential. Now, what we can't do is something I've mentioned before. We can't expect everybody to have their 99th percentile outcome here. So yes, we can expect Hunter Dozier to be, you know, between a 90 and a hundred weighted runs created plus kind of guy. Cause that's what he's been. Okay. So don't expect him to go crazy. Don't expect, you know, Nicky Lopez to hit 300 again, like be realistic. But I think even a realistic outcome is a top uh, 15 offense. Moving on to the people who will really determine the outcome of games, the starting rotation, <laughs> the, the people who really uh, led the Royals into that 60, what was it? 67 and 95, 65 and 97. Uh, yeah. 65 and 97 yeah. season last year, the starting rotation. Uh, we have, we project a, a starting rotation of Zach Greinke, Brady Singer, Jordan Lyles, Brad Keller, and mm, Chris Bubich. Oh, Chris Bubich. Yes, we have gone ahead and put Chris Bubich into that fifth starter. It was a question and a discussion that we had. This, of course, means that Daniel Lynch just missed out on the starting rotation. We, I don't really consider Heasley and those guys as just missing out because they've played not very well uh, this spring. And so, you know, I wasn't, they're not really in the conversation for that fifth starter role. Um, and so, but yeah, we're going to give it to Granky Singer, Lyles, Keller, and Bubich because Bubich has just, I think Lynch left the door open to, he hasn't, he's been, oh, just say it, huh? Say it. Say Lynch it. lost it. Bubich didn't win it. No, no, I don't think <laughs> just <that>. say it. <laughs> I do not think that at all. I think that Lynch didn't pitch very consistently this spring, still has some questions to answer about his arsenal and about his command. And I think Bubich actually has pitched pretty well this spring. He's he, Bubich has thrown like five innings t- total. Yeah. And so it, it's hard to know, but by the time opening day rolls around, by the time the fifth game rolls around where they need a fifth starter, he will have thrown quite a bit more than that, at least, probably another five innings at least by then. And so, but he has pitched pretty well. He has shown command. Even when he's walked guys or things like that, he's, you've seen a mound visit and he, boom, he's a, a tweak and he's throwing strikes again and he's get, striking guys out again and he's getting swings and misses. And so I just think that Bubich has shown less volatility this spring so far anyway, and the Royals are going to prize that in a fifth starter. And so I think Lynch goes down to AAA, works on some stuff, and Bubich gets that fifth starter spot. And you and I saw Bubich pitch against the Brewers when we were down there in surprise, and he looked pretty good in that outing. He he was commanding the ball. He was getting swings and misses against a lineup that had several of their big leaguers in it. And so, I mean, that's the, the best thing I can see. I know in his start the other day, his first inning was rough. He ended up getting out of it without getting out, giving up any runs, but he struck out three in the, in the second inning. I mean, you know, that's not the Chris Bubich of old. We haven't ever seen him getting swings and misses. So I I'm very interested to see how he does to finish out this spring. 
But I think right now he certainly has the upper hand on Daniel Lynch uh, in getting that fifth spot. And we thought that Bubich would be one of the guys who were really receptive to this new coaching staff and their new approach. And it looks like he really has been incorporating that slider has been a big deal for him. His other pitches look good. His fastball looks so much better than it did previously. And if that can be the case, that can really turn around the prospects on Chris Bubich's career as a starter in this league. All I'm really looking for from Bubich is more consistency than he's shown in the past because we've seen stretches of him being a successful starter at the major league level. I feel like people, the hype around Daniel Lynch is so much more than Chris Bubich that people forget Chris Bubich has been by far the more successful major league pitcher than Daniel Lynch by far. Uh, and so and minor and minor league, and pitcher. minor league pitcher, like, honestly, like Chris Bubich has just been a more successful professional than Daniel Lynch has. And so, you know, I think we're going to give it to him and we're going to see what the Royals do with Daniel Lynch. I think it's fine if he goes down to AAA and works a little bit, works a little while on that arsenal, works a little bit on uh, commanding the ball, including the fastball. And I think he'll come up and make starts eventually as too. It's not like he's not going to make any starts in the major leagues this year. So, uh, Mike, overall, what are your thoughts about this rotation and how it looks and how it's, we've, we've played it out here in this projection? Yeah. I mean, I still worry about it. Uh, you know, it's not filled with frontline guys or even guys that have proven track records for the most part, other than outside of Zach Grinke. You might say Brady Singer, he's got a half a season of a track record, people. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. He looked fantastic in that half season, and I really hope he continues to do that. Um, but Jordan Lyles, you know, you're hanging your hat on Jordan Lyles. You're hanging your hat on a resurgent Brad Keller who has looked better. But again, if you're going by what he's actually done in games that count, it's not been great. And then, of course, this battle between those the fifth guys. So I'm not, my, I'm not optimistic, let me put it that way, about this starting rotation. Um, and I do worry that, and we, you and I talked about uh, Bobby Witt Jr. hasn't really had many plate appearances in the World Baseball Classic. So is he going to come back and be cold? Is he, you know, how's that going to be? Brady Singer's the same way. You know, the one outing that I saw that he had did not go well. He could not throw his slider for a strike at all. And so, you know, how do those guys get back into it and get ready to, to start opening day? That's, that's a great question, I think. And so, yeah, the starting rotation still scares me. That's the summary of this argument. What's weird about this group is it's extremely similar to last year's group. <laughs> like, like Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, Granke, uh, Brad Keller, like this is basically, except for Jordan Lyles, the starting rotation from, you know, most of last year. And yet for some reason, it looks completely different to me. Uh, for some reason, the fact that Lyles is in there is important because he's been a guy who has a track record of not walking people. And that's huge. I think um, I also think that Brad Keller looks different. Chris Bubich looks different. Even Zach Granke looks a little different in some ways, you know, like I know it's like, we can't say, oh, they're going to be better. I don't, I think you're right. I think uh, like some pessimism is important to have when thinking about the starting rotation because of how bad they were last year, but they look different to me. And that difference means a lot. I think, I think getting more swing and miss, which all of them are doing basically is important. I think the fact that they're going to go from Arizona to Kauffman Stadium and the cold of the of a Kansas City spring, I think we're going to see at least a smoother transition than than you might imagine to, for the for the pitching staff at least to begin with because Kauffman is much bigger. It's harder to pitch in Kansas City than in Arizona, or it's easier to pitch in Kansas City than Arizona. And you know they have a potential to have a semi athletic defense. Now, am I saying they're definitely going to be a top five pitching? No, no. But will they be better than last year? That's my only benchmark is will they be better than last year? 
I am at, I can't imagine they won't be. Like I cannot imagine yeah, they, they won't be because that's last a pretty year was so low bad. bar. Last year was so bad. How could they not be better than last year? They're gonna be better than last year. The question is how much better. Here's the bar that you've set. Don't spike yourself running out onto the field. That's the bar you set. Like, uh, hey, you did it, man. Way to go, buddy. Got all the way out to your position and didn't get hurt. Woo. <laughs> like, that, I mean, that's because they were so bad. They were so bad last year. I agree. <laughs> they have to take a step forward. And I am encouraged by some of the stuff you talked about. But I still don't think when you talk about like, oh, are they going to consistently give us the type of outings where we can go, well, we got a chance to win every single day. Eh, well, I don't know about it's that. hard. It's hard to do that one through five, one through five. That's really tough, but imagine, think about it like this, right? Like, so we've talked a lot about the strikeout to walk ratio, right? And right now the, the guys who are in the starting rotation are rolling out a strikeout to rock ratio, a little bit above three to one, right? Uh, so like if they have a three to one strikeout to walk ratio, how much better do you think they'll be than last year? They're going to be quite a bit better. Uh, I can tell you that. And they may end up doing that if, if Quattrero has a much different approach to how he utilizes a bullpen than Matheny did. Yeah. You know, he can really help these guys by putting them in better situations where, you know, Hey, I'm not letting him gonna go through at least a certain part of the lineup. You might go, okay, we've gone through the lineup twice. He does really well against their first two hitters. We're going to let him have these first two hitters. Then we will not let him face a third guy. Like that's something like that. Or he, he says, Hey, you know, this guy ha- faces a pitcher like this. He's coming up to start this inning. We're not going to let him go back out for that next inning. Even if, it, even if it is, you know, he only pitched four, you know, we've got a guy who can throw two or three in Yarbrough or whoever, maybe it's Hernandez. Hernandez has looked pretty good in the WBC. Um, you do that instead of throwing your starting pitcher out there and going, well, we want to get him that W, yeah. you know, like be smart about it. And that might help them. I think that definitely will. I think you're going to see pitchers put in much better positions and that includes starting pitchers. And so we'll see on this rotation, but I have a little bit of optimism that at the very least they'll be much better than they have been. Mike round out this roster for us by tell us, by telling us who's uh, we project to make it in the bullpen. And this, this one was kind of tough for us because there are some guys that are pitching pretty well, but maybe have options, things like that. Uh, Scott Barlow kicks us off. Josh Stamont, Dylan Coleman, three stalwarts from last year, all three very solid bullpen pieces. Then Araldis Chapman, Amir Garrett, Richard Lovelady has pitched pretty well this spring. He's out of options. We think he's finally going to get his shot. To be clear, he is not out of options. Him and oh, Hernandez, yeah, he got an extra they one. Both, they were, yes. Him and Hernandez were both given extra options. But I put him on here because he has earned it. He has pitched yeah. very well, probably better than any other reliever this spring. And so, yeah, I think he's just earned it. Uh, they have a lot of guys who have options. And so uh, I think he's going to make it. And I, I it's nice because we, we want him to get his shot in Major League Baseball. He probably earned it two years ago. Um, Carlos Hernandez, who, like we mentioned, has looked pretty good in the World Baseball Classic pitching for Venezuela. And then Taylor Clark. We we like what he did last year. He hasn't thrown a ton this spring, um, but we liked what he did last year and, and think that he's got a shot to make it as well. 
What does that mean for who missed this bullpen? It means that uh, what are we what are we going to do with Ryan Yarbrough? We're we're saying that he's not going to miss the roster. He's just going to go to extended spring training. We think that he's got some more time to ramp up and get ready for the season, and they're going to give him that time. What does that mean? It means in about a week after the season starts, they're going to have to find room for Ryan Yarbrough probably. Uh, and so we'll see what they end up doing to make room for Ryan Yarbrough. Could be an injury happens in that first week, and they don't need to really worry about it. I don't know, but we've we we're projecting that Yarbrough doesn't make the opening day roster because he'll stay in extended spring training after having been hurt for at least half of, if not more, a little more than half of spring training. Um, we also project that Josh Taylor will just miss the opening day roster because he has options. Jose Quas, who has pitched very well this spring, has options, so he's going to miss the opening day roster. And then non-roster invitees like Ryan Weiss, Nick Whitgren, and Brooks Kriske, we also project to miss just miss the roster, um, despite having some good moments. Yeah. I have to say this because... Uh, the other day we bought tickets for my in-laws to go to a spring training game the other day, um, to thank them kind of for letting us stay at their house and go to spring training down there. They called me and said that Ryan Weiss was the most impressive guy they saw pitch that day. Um, and I, then I, I was like, Oh, cool. You know, that's awesome. I, I didn't even know who he was really. And then I see, start seeing tweets about it. Like, Hey, Weiss was unreal today. So I got to catch this guy pitching. Cause I don't know that I've ever seen him throw. Yeah, Ryan Weiss has been impressive during spring training. It's been volatile to some degree. Some some outings have been less impressive than others, but he has had some really good moments in spring training, but he's not on the 40-man roster. So they would have mm. to do something to get him onto the 40-man roster. I think it's more likely that he just um starts out in the minors and, you know, they if they if they have the ability, they'll find room for him later if he's really pushing to be added to the 40-man and to the major league roster. So we'll see on that, but Mike, what are your thoughts on this bullpen as a whole? What do you think it can be for the 2023 Royals? I feel like it's a pretty deep group, really. Uh, if you said like, hey, what's the deepest section of our team? I would probably say the bullpen. Um, even though our lineup is somewhat deep, I think after there's some position groups that aren't so deep, you know, at least offensively, once you go into AAA and stuff. But I think the bullpen is. Um, but I will say this, and I've said it for like two or three years now. I don't think they have the one elite level guy that is like, okay, he is the absolute stopper in our bullpen. I've never thought Scott Barlow was that you and I have had that conversation before. I think Scott Barlow is extremely valuable, but I don't think he's that guy. I think Josh Stamont is a good, is a good uh, bullpen piece. I don't think he's that guy. Dylan Coleman, I think someday could be that guy, but I don't think he's there yet. Araldis Chapman used to be that guy and I don't think he is anymore. And so, but I still think he's a good piece. I think Amir Garrett's a good piece. Like as far as left hand and, and different styles of pitching, we've got a lot of them in this bullpen, which is why I'm so optimistic about how they can uh, help the team win. Cause I think they're going to get a lot of use that includes these guys that made it and those guys that didn't, I think they're all going to get time in major league baseball. And I think it could, they could string together a very, a very uh, competent bullpen over the course of the year. Yeah, I, I love the depth of this bullpen and I love the diversity of this bullpen. And I think it's going to be so much better utilized that you're going to see a lot more effective pitching out of that bullpen. And that includes guys like Amir Garrett, right? Amir Garrett did not pitch well last year, right? In part because Amir Garrett was not put in the best positions to pitch last year. And so him, along with guys like Richard Lovelady and, you know, uh, even Dylan Coleman or Jose Quas when he comes up or, or you know, Ryan Yarbrough when he's back. They're all going to be put in much better positions to succeed than they were last year. And so I think that alone will help so many of them. And I'm really excited to see 
what it means for the bullpen's effectiveness as a whole, what it means for the Royals' run prevention as a whole. This team could be a lot better when it comes to run prevention, just from better decision-making on the part of the pitching coaching staff and the manager, uh, um, Matt Quattrero. And so looking forward to that, looking forward to not being exceptionally nervous anytime the manager is about to make a decision when it comes to the bullpen. And this is something where I think Zach Bove could come. Is it Bove or Bovey? I don't I think it's Bove. Bove. Zach Bove could come into play. They really talked up his ability to game plan for pitchers. And so, you know, if, if they're, they're doing things well before every game, somebody, and it might be Bove, it might be somebody else at this point. I don't know, because he may have a different role with us than what he did with Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Twins. Um, twins, sorry. Um, but he, like, you, you need a game plan going in to say, hey, if these guys are coming up, these are our relievers that profile well against them and that type of pitcher. And so then you can start utilizing them that way and say, okay, we know that these three guys aren't great against a guy that submarines like Quas does. And so we bring him in. They're right-handed hitters. They don't handle right-handed uh, guys with movement to the R or to the glove side, bring Quas in. You know what I'm saying? So if we can get some good game planning, coaching can be a part of making them more effective as well. Right. And it won't just be like bring Quas in. If they're bad with movement to the glove side, it'll bring Quas in and tell them to throw a lot of sliders, right? Like, it, yeah. you know, as opposed to that sinker, which they might be better, you know, with arm side run or something like that, right? They'll have a plan that is a plan for pitchers to use and a, what for the what those pitchers should be doing in those at-bats that'll be far superior to what took place previously. And so that's why I'm excited, right? Like they'll understanding better, like this pitch profile, this kind of movement does better against these kind of hitters. It's just, it's, it's going to be far more advanced the decision-making than it was in the past. We've already seen the ways in which the thinking about pitching has gone from you know, 1920s thinking that, you know, or the, the 1500s uh, approach to back to, uh, uh, to the plague, you know, all the way to 2000, you know, we know what germs are now, right? That's what I'm saying. Like we, we, <laughs> the understanding of, 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 of pitching has leaped ahead from, you know, rubbing two sticks together to a friggin' flamethrower. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's more Cactus League action for the boys in blue this week. That said, they should receive a jolt as some of their best players rejoin the team. Vinny Pascontino, Nicky Lopez, and MJ Melendez should re rejoin the team sometime early this week, I would think, after their teams were eliminated from the WBC. Uh, Salvador Perez and uh, Carlos Hernandez will probably rejoin at some point this week as well, as their team, has, Venezuela, has also been eliminated. Uh, and so... Hopefully that gives a little injection to the to the lineup and the pitching staff getting some of those guys back. The the Royals will have games against the Cubs, White Sox, Padres, Giants, Dodgers, and Cubs again this week. Uh, this is the last full week of spring training games. We're like 10, 11, 12 days from opening day right now. What are we? Exactly 11 days from opening day uh, as of this recording, Sunday, March 19th. Mike. What do you expect to see in a week where things are really winding down? Well, it's hard to say. This is going to be like the last full week of teams going most of their regulars most of the time. They're ramping up to some degree, and then they'll wind down excessively. What do you expect to see in this last week? I want to see how they set up the starting lineups for the outfield. I want to see how, what, because this is the time, especially at the end of this next week, when you'll start to see the lineups be about what they'll be on opening day and moving forward in actual major league action. So I want to see where they're playing guys in the outfield. Is Melendez playing left? Is Olivares playing right? 
does somebody else is somebody is Jackie Bradley Jr. playing in center and Isbell's playing one of those positions and they're figuring out other things to do using the DH and all that sort of stuff. So I want to see really how they're going to set up the outfield for the long term. You know, are they going to use Jackie Bradley Jr. as a, a real fourth outfielder where he, he only plays when when Isbell needs a day off or something like that? Or is it going to be more of a, hey, We've we're willing to move guys around and try different things depending on who's throwing that day. So that's the the, the big thing that I'll be looking for because I still think with Bobby Witt Jr. and Singer out, you know, we'll kind of be able to see some stuff from the pitching staff. And of course, we, we really have to w- keep watching the Bubich Lynch thing. Like that's another big storyline here. That's probably the biggest one. So is that what you have? Oh yeah, eyes. His thing says eyes glued <laughs> to Chris Bubich. Stole it. What are you doing Just to me stole right it now? Right from him. What are you? Doing I gotta to start me right reading now. the outline. I gotta start reading. <laughs> what are you doing? You gotta learn to read. Is what you gotta do. Uh, anyway, um, yes, my eyes will be glued to Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch because this is super important to me. Like that's twenty percent of your rotation still has yet to be determined, and I really, really want. I I think Chris Bubich has. I think he will be better to start this year. Does that mean he'll always be better than Daniel Lynch? No, but I think he will be better to start this season than Daniel Lynch will. And so I'm kind of inside my heart rooting a little bit for Chris Bubich to go out, seize this fifth starter role and run with it by pitching really, really well this week. And so I'm going to be focused on Chris Bubich a lot. I really want to see what he's like. Like you, I'm interested in what kind of rotations they start getting going, who plays where, do we get a chance to start seeing like, oh, this is how they're going to use Brad, Jackie Bradley Jr. This is how they're going to use Hunter Dozier and how they're going to sort of rotate at third base and things like that. Um, I will be interested in all that, but really I'm focused intently on that fifth starter battle and who comes out of it because I think it's really going to matter. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just About Outside segment where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike. I don't know what you're up to. I know you're doing mostly the parenting thing and you're about to go on spring break. So come up with something interesting. Tell us what's been uh, exciting you outside the world of baseball. Well, you know, I am mostly doing the parenting thing because, you know, you and I were both sick. Everybody was sick on the spring training trip. As soon as we got back, my wife got sick again because we were on an airplane and airplanes are disgusting. Planes are filthy. (laughs) And so I've been single dadding it for uh, the majority of the week, but she's feeling better now. So. Um, but we were talking, I was like, Hey, you know, my wife's name is Morgan Morgan. I need a, just a bit outside for this week. She said, how about learning new things? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, how important it is to continue to learn new things in your life. And I was thinking like, yeah, that is very important. So right now I am learning to become a certified computer technician. Okay. Mark and I have a little, uh, plan, a little scheme going on for that to have, you know, to just have something to do outside of our normal jobs. And then my wife learned how to solve a Rubik's cube. Amazing. And your partner is learning to speak Spanish. He's really good at it right now. now. Um, and you know, we're, you, well, even this podcast is a great example. You know, a couple of years ago, Mark and I knew nothing about making a podcast. Mark wanted to do a Royals podcast. And so he went out there and basically learned how to do all I knew it. a little, I mean, he's got some background, <laughs> he's got some background, but in, in, uh, you know, media, but you know, not podcasting. You've never done a podcast True. before. And so we, uh, you know, he went out and he learned how to do that. And, you know, so this is the importance of learning new things. Go find some skill. It doesn't have to be one that takes long. My wife learned the Rubik's Cube thing on a YouTube video, right? And so, like, just sit down and learn something new at some point. It keeps your mind sharp, keeps you from getting the mush brain, okay? And, you know, and that you sometimes you even, like, you know, 
turns into a hobby that you do with your brother every Sunday or, you know, turns uh, into something you can make a little money off of, you know, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, go learn a new skill. That's my my challenge to the weirdos right now. Great challenge. Yes, I've learned many a skill just on my own. I learned baseball evaluation, advanced statistics and all that sort of thing. It's just a fun thing to do. It's just a hobby. And, you know, I taught myself a lot of advanced statistics as a result of it. I, I did some training with scouts and things like that to be able to watch baseball in a different way. And that turned into this. So like, you know, sometimes it's fun to just kind of pick up new things that you're passionate about and that you can be interested in. It's, you know, we have time, you know, like not everybody has a ton of time, but we all have some time. And so you might as well spend it productively rather. I mean, I I like to sit in front of the TV as much as the next guy, but uh, I can't do that all day, every day. There aren't enough, there aren't enough fantasy shows to just sit in front of the TV all day, every day. And <laughs> they, so, only made, they only made one season of Firefly. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two seasons of The Witcher out right now and they come so slowly. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So might as well learn a new skill. For my Just About Outside this week, I'm talking about something that everybody's been talking about lately, the new airport. You and I got a chance to go yeah, through the new airport yeah. as part of our journey down to Arizona. And I got to say, it just feels so good for Kansas City to have an airport that resembles other major airports in this country. <laughs> like, is it as big as O'Hare? No, or the one down in Atlanta or whatever. But now you go through security and you can just relax before your flight if you want to. You can chill at this sort of semi chainish looking restaurant that's like a you know kind of trying to be a sports bar you can just chill there and have a drink or have some chicken fingers or whatever the hell you want just chill there pay for some overpriced chicken fingers and relax before your flight because that's way more fun than like oh i'm just sitting here now let me go get some checks mix you know like you have no like no recourse in the previous airport it's all pretty organized. It's all, you know, all the bathrooms are really clean right now anyway, because, you know, it's new. Uh, but, you know, it, it's all it all looks pretty good. They could use some more signage for various stuff. If if you're that is the one the one issue I had, they they need more. They, signs. they could use some more signage out there, especially for things like directing to baggage claim and stuff like that. But so happy to have a modern airport here in Kansas City. It's going to do so much good for us. And I'm just going to enjoy flying in and out of it more than I have in the past. So great job, Kansas City. Coming up with this new airport, really, really liked it. That's all we have for you for this week. Tune in next week when we talk about, guess what? The Kansas City Royals and more baseball. And by next week, I mean, we're going to be right on the doorstep of opening day. So uh, tune in for that. Uh, Until then, be good to each other. And let's go Royals. Royals.